If everyone just in this moment contemplates their response to the simple question, are you aware? Obviously, you immediately say, yeah, of course. And I say, how do you know? Where do you go to look to notice that you're aware? Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and what a treat we have today with an extraordinary guest. He is none other than Michael J. Gelb, and he's the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking to personal and organizational development. Michael's a pioneer in fields of creative thinking, innovation, leadership, and executive coaching, and his clients include DuPont, Emerson, Genentech, KPMG, Merck, Microsoft, Nike, and YPO. Michael is a senior fellow at the Center for Humanistic Management and a member of the Leading People and Organizations Advisory Board at the Fordham University Gabelli School of Business. Michael is also awarded a Baden Fellowship in Innovation from the University of Virginia's Darden Graduate School of Business, and he co-directed the acclaimed Leading Innovation Seminar there for more than two years. He was honored as Brain of the Year, we're going to have to talk about this, by the Brain Trust Charity. Other recipients include Stephen Hawking, Gary Kasparov, and Edward DeBono. Michael is the author of 17 books, including How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Discover Your Genius, Innovate Like Edison, and The Art of Connection, Seven Relationship Building Skills Every Leader Needs to Know. His books have been translated into 25 languages and have sold more than 1 million copies. There's so much that we can talk about. Michael, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you. Whenever I have a guest who has done so many wild and extraordinary things, it's often like drinking from a fire hose because there's so many different ways that we could go from a topic standpoint. But what I'd like to do is take a step back. Let's go back in the time machine a little bit. And I want to discover how you came to get on this path and do the work that you're doing. I would say that we can go to the moment when I read Viktor Frankl's book, Mm. Man's Search for Meaning, which was probably in 1966. So that's a pretty long time ago. I was 14 years old and it really touched me. I really thought if Viktor Frankl could find a sense of meaning and purpose in the midst of the most degrading, inhuman, miserable conditions imaginable, then I can find a purpose and meaning, and helping other people find purpose and meaning 
is what I want my life to be all about. So it, it, I was actually in my parents' home. They had this den with a big easy chair. And I used to go there and read. And they had that book on their shelf. And I thought it sounded interesting. And I just grabbed it. And I sat there and I read it. And if I give you like a milestone benchmark moment where I felt like, okay, this is what I want to study. This is what I want to learn. This is what I want to have my life be about. I'd say that that was a signature moment reading that book. That's really wild. As a teenager, as a young adolescent, you just grabbed that book off the shelf. And that's really what propelled you on, on this mission you've been on for over 40 years. Well, it did seem, you know, it was a time kind of like the, the present time when there was tremendous divisiveness. There was, I mean, I was in my junior high school and then my high school had tremendous racial tensions. We had, I remember tear gas being fired off in my school at one point and the scent of that the next day. It was a, it was a time of tremendous strife and conflict and I was trying to figure out solutions for the world, but also for myself. And it just, I think it's my mom and dad. My dad was an oral surgeon. He, he worked taking, you know, helping people overcome and deal with their, their pain. And it wasn't just that he was a really good surgeon and, and technically skilled. He also had a gift for helping people feel calm. They were terrified when they'd come to him and he would just make them feel safe and okay. And then he would do this work. And for years, people would stop me at various times in my life, whenever I was in the Northern New Jersey area, and they would say, Gil, your father, your father, I was in so much pain. He helped me. He was so wonderful. And my mom was a psychologist who worked at the Passaic County Mental Health Clinic, dealing with sociopaths, murderers, addicts. But she says that after raising me, that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) So the nickname for my parents was mental and dental. (laughs) And, but both of them had always were focused on helping other people, healing others. That's just who they were. So I didn't, I never even questioned, never even occurred to me. I never thought of doing anything It wasn't about helping others, but I also was blessed to realize that I had to also figure out how to help myself. That In order to really help others, I had to figure out how to help myself. So this sense of we're here to learn, we're here to be of service, and we can be of better service as we integrate ourselves, as we learn more about the depth of our own selves. We can help others do the same. And through that greater awareness, greater consciousness, we have a shot at helping to address some of the world's problems. So that was always, always my my orientation. And it's the fact that I wound up as a consultant and coach for businesses was the farthest thing from my mind at that time. I mean, when I was growing up, business was the military industrial complex never thought of anything like that. I was just going to get a PhD in psychology or go to medical school to help people. But it turned out that what I studied and who I studied with, I was introduced to uh, 
to people who are doing very high level executive development. And it just slowly dawned on me that business was the most powerful force for better or worse in our world. And if we could get businesses to be creative and compassionate and more conscious, well, conscious and have more of a conscience, Mm -hmm. that that would be the greatest point of leverage for making a better world. So I just started working with businesses and haven't stopped. Indeed, you haven't. I mean, you've worked with some of the largest and most significant companies on the planet. I want to take a jump and talk about the book that most people know you for, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. When did you decide to write that book? And was it was there a light bulb moment or was it just a culmination of you getting into these companies and seeing the need? Well, it was both. So I've been teaching creative thinking for many years, seminars around the world. I, I started a company called High Performance Learning. And in 1982, I began doing these three-day public seminars all over the country. The U.S., I, I introduced mind mapping to the U.S. and trained a lot of people in the fundamentals of accelerated learning, memory development, speed reading, and of course, mind mapping. And my friend and colleague, Tony Buzan, the originator of mind mapping, was a huge fan of Leonardo da Vinci and Thomas Edison. And he and I taught together for many years. In 1978, we started teaching this class together called the Mind and Body Seminar, which was a five-day intensive where we taught mind mapping, speed reading, accelerated learning, but also meditation and juggling and all sorts of other really cool stuff. <laughs> so Tony and I would, would we talk about Leonardo, we talk about Edison, we talk about some of the great geniuses of history and use them as role models. And I'd actually been introduced to Leonardo by my grandmother, Grandma Rosa, who's Italian. I grew up with great Italian food and she was a painter. So I grew up with this appreciation of art and she used to tell me about Leonardo da Vinci. So there was something really resonant in my soul. And then Tony and I would tell these stories about Leonardo and quote from his notebooks. So more and more through the years, I would tell stories about Leonardo. And then in the early 90s, I was invited to speak at a YPO university, Young Presidents Organization. And it happened to be their event in Washington, D.C., one of their premier events. It's called the University. So I have a group of hundreds of company presidents, and I'm talking to them about innovation. But I knew that they were holding one of these premier events in Florence, Italia, which was and is my favorite city. And I really wanted to get invited. So the chair of the education for Florence approached me after my talk in D.C. and said, if we were to invite you to Florence, what would you do? He said, we want something really special because, as you might imagine, lots of people want to get invited to Florence. So I just pretty much spontaneously came up with this idea. I looked him in the eye and I said, how about how to think like Leonardo da Vinci? (laughs) And he said, can you really do that? And I said, sure. So that gave me six months to make it up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, six months. So so now you obviously pulled it off and you got to Florence and... Here we are. So 
for, for somebody who's never read this book, take us through the principles of that book and some of the things that people can do to start becoming more in alignment and tapped into their creativity. Yes. Well, the first thing to understand is you can do this with any figure you admire, both a historical figure or someone you know. And there's a disclaimer we have to make about whatever you do, and that is nobody's perfect. Don't try to imitate anybody wholesale. Be discerning. And having said that, it's one of the greatest ways we can develop ourselves is to study the lives and the thinking and the principles and the approach of great individuals. And we can do this through history and we can do it with people who are present currently. So I mentioned Leonardo was one of my childhood heroes. So I did this with, with Leonardo. And the way I did it was by asking a magic question. Because lots of people have written about Leonardo and they write about his art or his science or the history of the time and his role in the Renaissance. And that is fascinating. I have studied all of that for years and years and years. And I do bring that to people in the book because it does help to have the historical context and a sense of the zeitgeist that he was emerging in and his role and who preceded him and who he influenced. But previous books about Leonardo were just about his art, about the Renaissance, about his inventions, about his science. And I came up with this simple magical question. And that was, what is he trying to teach us? Are there clues in his writings about how we can be more creative, how we can use our human potential. And I figured if you're interested in using human potential, if you're interested in creativity, Leonardo's probably the person who has more profoundly expressed human mm -hmm. potential than anyone who ever lived. And he's certainly the most creative genius ever. So what's he trying to teach us? So I read his notebooks with that in mind. And from that reading and that perspective, these principles became very clear. And the first one is curiosita, endless curiosity. It's, the, it's our birthright. Every child comes into the world wildly curious. They also are gifted with amazing imagination. And children have seemingly unlimited energy. However, we go to school and we start to be indoctrinated with the notion that answers are more important than questions, especially the right answer and avoiding the wrong answer. So imagination isn't necessarily developed. In many cases, it's stifled. So we see people go off into the world of work. And again, imagination isn't often developed. Curiosity isn't necessarily called for and energy starts to decline. So you see people get to the middle of their lives and they're depressed, they're bored, they're tired, they want inspiration. So how do you get a renaissance of your life energy, the same kind of energy you had when you were two or three or four? Well, you awaken your imagination like you did when you were two, three, or four. Except now you marry it with your adult logic and analytical ability. And most importantly, you revitalize your curiosity. 
So we, we have lots of fun with people doing this, both in live seminars, in the book. There are lots of practical exercises to do this. We also have a new online video training seminar, which basically people just, we couldn't just get enough people. I'd like to teach the whole world live. I'd like to have everybody in the room where we introduce you to the principle and then guide you through the exercises. But in order to make that more accessible, we've created this incredible online video program, which really, to the extent that it's possible, replicates the experience of being in the room together and takes people through these exercises that are proven now over, we've been doing this with people for, for decades. How do you actually revitalize this birthright of curiosity? How do you reawaken the imagination and supercharge the energy? And that's just the first principle for thinking like Leonardo. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. So I know that there's a, a ton of these both in the book and in the online video. Give us a, a real quick one that that somebody listening to this could go through to really sure. start tapping into that. Sure. Well, I'll give you one of the classics called the 100 questions exercise. And it, it takes most people about 45 minutes to do. Create an environment where you will not be disturbed. If you like, put on some of your favorite music without words, because you don't want words interfering with your thinking process. So maybe it's jazz or classical or whatever it is, put it on. If you like aromatherapy, some peppermint for energy or lavender for relaxation, whatever amuses you, limber up your wrists, do a little bit of qigong or yoga to get your energy tuned up. And then what you're going to do is in one sitting, without lifting your pen off the paper, you're going to write 100 questions. And so this is, this is a, a particular application of stream of consciousness writing, which is one of the classic ways to access our deeper creative imagination. But we do it in the form of writing questions. So the first 20 questions people write tend to be in their everyday habitual mindset. The next 20 or 30 tend to be expressions of frustration with the exercise. <laughs> Why am I doing this? My wrist is hurting. Is there a point or a purpose to this? Why, why do I have to write? And so on. But what's great is if people persevere and write the full 100 questions, what happens to a lot of people is they get so into it, they write 150 questions. They go for two hours. But what happens is when you get up to 80, 90, 100, people get out of their regular mind. And they tap into the part that is smarter than the everyday mind. Yeah, everybody has a part of themselves that's smarter than their regular habitual mind. And one way 
to think about what it means to think like Leonardo is just learn to tap into that part just like he did. And he tells us how he did it. So I'm translating some of the things he did to you and making them contemporary and accessible to our mind today so we can just do these things. So I've been doing this with people for decades and people still write to me. I mean, I get fan letters from the book every week. People say, I did this. I was skeptical, but I just did it anyway. And then I woke up at four o'clock in the morning with this idea that just gave me a whole new insight on whatever it was they're struggling with, the, the next move I need to make in my business, how to deal with a challenging relationship, where I am in my, in my career. What's the great... People just get the missing link. And, and what goes hand in hand with the exercise is another thing we get people to do, which again is straight from Leonardo. He says, keep a little notebook with you and write your ideas down. Because the breakthrough usually doesn't come right when you do the 100 questions. It comes that night in the middle of the night when you wake up or when the next time you go for a walk in nature or when you're taking a shower or a bath. And now you're tuned in. We've begun to get you tuned in. We're tuning your antenna to where the really great ideas come from. And you're starting to pay attention to them and record them. And people make breakthroughs. And the more you do this, the more you gain access to this deeper creative imagination so that after a while, it's no big deal. It's just part of your life. And people say to me, you know, I've been writing a book. I've had a, a real book, not just a, you know, write a book in a weekend, sort of throw something out there, blah, blah. Real books, you know, one every year, two years for the last three or four years and creating this the script for the video program, launching, I launched a whole new element of my business called Life Energy Genius, where we teach people the inner energy practices to cultivate the mojo to manifest your creative ideas because the missing link for a lot of people in their creative aspiration is they don't have the energy. So I've studied how do you strengthen that energy? How do you get the ideas? How do you implement them? So we bring all this together, all of this. But the point is, this is not something that I'm reading about or getting from somebody else's stuff. This is how I live. So what I'm sharing with you and with everybody in my books and seminars and so on is I don't get writer's block and you won't either. You won't have a creative block because you'll learn how to harmonize with the, the flow of creativity. It's not even that big a deal. It's actually pretty easy to get breakthrough genius ideas. The hard part is doing them. The hard part is communicating them to other people, getting them to buy in and then having the stamina to follow through against the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, which will come your way. And the more creative or revolutionary or transformational what you're trying to do, the more resistance you will encounter. So the more stamina and energy and perseverance you will need. Makes sense. I, can, I mean, we could literally record 10 episodes about, about this content. And so I, I want to jump back to some of these other principles. We have endless curiosity, curiosity and that one actually has come up on a couple of shows. So it was really interesting that you brought that up. What is another principle of this book? Sure. Well, the second one, demonstration. Demonstration. It's a word right from Leonardo's notebooks. He says, you must learn to demonstrate things through your own experience. Hmm. 
It says, become an inventore, an original thinker. And in Leonardo's time, the challenge to independent thinking was that information was hard to get. Books were rare. If you could find one, it would be in Latin, and you would not have been able to read Latin unless you were from a noble family, because it wasn't taught to the common or so-called middle-class people of the time. Only the nobles, the clerics learned Latin. Leonardo taught himself Latin when he turned 40, so he could read the classics as they became available. What's the challenge to independent thinking today? Too much information. Mm. How do you cut through the tsunami of spam to be an inventore today? So Leonardo gives guidance on this to his students, which again, I translated to contemporary terms. But he basically says, learn to think through important ideas from different perspectives. He says at least three perspectives. So let's just talk about how this really translates into somebody running a business. because. I really earn my living by coaching senior executives. And they're trying to make decisions on new products or how to be more innovative, how to develop leaders in their own company, uh, how to create a culture for their organization that's more innovative, more entrepreneurial, especially as they grow and get bigger. So what you find is something in human nature, unless people have the discipline of dimostrazione, they tend to surround themselves with people who think like they do. People want their prejudices confirmed by other people who share the same prejudices. But that's not how we think creatively. That's not how we innovate. That's not how we are rigorous. And one of Leonardo's mottos was astinato rigore, which means obstinate rigor. So you're already into some of the dynamics of da Vincian thinking, because the first principle is childlike curiosity and openness and exploration and unlimited imagination complemented with endless energy and desire to learn. The second principle is be a critical thinker, be an independent thinker, seek out different perspectives. Listen with an open mind. So what we're getting towards is what I call being an open-minded skeptic, not a closed-minded cynic, and not a naive optimist, but an open-minded skeptic. So this is the this is the building the yin and the yang of genius. So how does this apply? We in some of the client companies that I work with. What they really like, I work with an engineering client, and the CEO realized that all the people on his senior team were engineers with the same background that he had. So they're all tending to think in a similar way. So he started consulting people in the organization and bringing them into executive leadership meetings who had a different background. And you know, the external manifestation of this is diversity, but real diversity, the diversity that genuinely promotes innovation is diversity of thinking, diversity of perspective, diversity of background, diversity of thinking style. And the more you help every individual develop their unique expression, the more 
superpower diversity you have in any organization. So you can create what I call a democracy of ideas. The most innovative organizations have this democracy of ideas. It's what Amy Edmondson calls a psychological safety. Everybody feels free to share their ideas. The senior leader is still responsible for making the decision and being accountable for what they do with all those ideas. But the healthiest, most innovative organizations have this free flow of ideas. No one's afraid to express themselves. They wouldn't think of not expressing themselves. So this is where we take the, these, these ideals of Leonardo and really translate them into a corporate culture, an organizational culture, so that people feel not just safe, they're enthusiastic about sharing ideas. And we can have healthy, respectful disagreements. What a concept. <laughs> and this is so timely because of how divided we are as a society. So what, what would you speak to about to that? Because I, I'm curious, you, know, you you've been teaching these principles for decades, but we've never more had a disjointed viewpoint as a society than we do today. Well, I, I, I keep wondering whether that's whether things are worse now than they were in 1968 when I was 16. Both uh, the last time my hair was this long <laughs> was when the world was this messed up. <laughs> so the issue of divisiveness is is certainly apparent at the moment, and my approach to it is trying to help people learn how to listen and how to discuss looking for a deeper connection. What I mean by that is when people argue from positions, they just polarize further. And so if you look around, people are arguing from position. Instead, get curious about what are the underlying feelings and needs of the person who holds another view and see if there is a way of generating consensus around what the needs are. I mean, if we go to the level of needs, most people are arguing for their position because they feel that the position that they hold meets a need, for example, for them to feel more secure. They may feel threatened and they want to feel more secure. So if we can get to the level of getting people to acknowledge what's the need that's driving their position, get away from the position, we can honor that need. And that puts us into rapport or simpatico. That's, I wrote a whole book about it. It's called The Art of Connection. And it's based, I created a motto for the book, which is congiungere ad salvendum, which means connect before solving. So if we can connect with people on the basis of our shared needs, because everybody has a need for security. That's something we can all relate to. And if we can connect, that's what we're trying to find together. Then we, then we have the opportunity to possibly think of, are there other ways that can meet our needs that we haven't thought of yet? Are there more creative ways to meet our, our needs? Are there ways that can, can benefit all stakeholders? instead of just our little tribe of stakeholders, which have staked out their position. So this is, you know, before we do this 
across the whole society, my passion is to help individuals learn how to do this in their own relationships. Like if you can't do this with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your mother or your father or your children or your brothers or your sisters, you're not going to do it with somebody from a different political persuasion than you. So these are core level skills for connecting with other humans. And that's why I call the book The Art of Connection, because it's an art. It's also predicated on neuroscience. And that's another da Vinci principle is bring together art and science in order to understand and grow and develop and learn. Not either or, but both. Timely wisdom. And I know we've kind of jumped from one book to another. I want to circle back to think like da Vinci, just one more, give us one more principle and then, and then we'll transition. (laughs) So the first principle, curiosita. Second principle, dimostrazione. So you're wildly curious, committed to learning, but you're a critical thinker an independent original thinker, an open-minded skeptic. The third principle, sensazione, says sharpen your senses, deepen your awareness and perception, learn to appreciate beauty, and focus on how to make life more beautiful for yourself and for others every day. So Leonardo knew and taught that appreciation of beauty is one of the ways that we not only experience a more beautiful life, but we inform our creative inspiration. So the book and the online video seminar are just filled with the most engaging, really fun. I have to say, these are my favorite exercises in the book and on the seminar because we we guide people through chocolate tasting and wine tasting and listening to different favorite pieces of music, and we get them to describe their experience, and we, we liberate them from the fear of making an accurate description. You know, a lot of people go to a music appreciation or art appreciation or wine appreciation class, and they feel intimidated because they're trying to get the right answer as held by the authority. We throw that all out, and we ask people another magic question. We say, what's your impression of this? What's your experience? And there's no wrong answer to that question. So I've been doing this for years. I do this as a, a wine. I do a wine tasting for team building exercise with my corporate clients for many, many years. And we, we set them up with flights of wines. And then we have them look at the wine and describe what they see. And then smell it and describe the difference in the aroma from one to another. And then taste it and describe their experience of the taste. And once you, once you just really get them to feel safe about expressing themselves, what happens is complete novices come up with these amazingly poetic, insightful descriptions of the wines. So then we actually have people translate their experience of the wine into poetry. And they come up with amazing poetry. I mean, I did this for a construction management company. We did this wine. I call it wine drinking for inspired thinking. Uncork your creative juices. And we did this for these construction managers. And the boss of this group said, I just couldn't believe, first of all, how much fun this was. But 
when I listened to the creative descriptions of my CIO and my finance guy, I just had no idea how creative they were. And this is, this is one of my greatest passions is when I see people realizing that they are more creative than they'd ever imagined and that the person who they thought wasn't creative is more creative than they ever imagined. And this is all happening while they're drinking wine and, and enjoying chocolate. Right? And I get paid for this. <laughs> uh, so that's the third principle. Sensazione. Sharpen your senses. Appreciate beauty. And then share your appreciation of beauty. It's one of the secrets of life, a more beautiful life. Love that. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about brain of the year. I said I was going to. So talk to us about what was involved with that and how that transpired. About which? Brain of the year. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Here is my brain of the year award. It's pretty cool. It's an original sculpture. It was given to me by the sponsor that year, which was a Swedish company. Different years, they've had different corporate sponsors for the brain of the year award. And this was granted by the Brain Foundation, which was an organization originated by Tony Bizan, the creator of, of Mind Mapping, to recognize individuals who contribute to an understanding of the power of the human brain and, most importantly, how to get access to it, either by teaching it directly or by exemplifying it. So to be in the same honoree category as Stephen Hawking, it's not because I'm a genius at physics like he was, or Gary Kasparov, uh, probably the greatest chess champion ever, and an amazing independent thinker. Uh, I'm I'm afraid that my my prowess in chess (laughs) creates a regular experience of humility for me. But I think I was given the award because of my contributions for helping people learn to apply the kind of genius thinking that a Hawking or a Kasparov or even more notably a Da Vinci or an Edison or an Einstein or a Curie is able to manifest. So that was, that was the brain of the year, 1999. Very, <laughs> very, very cool. Very, very cool. You know, Michael, I know that we've just scratched the surface, but you're, you're a prolific writer and and there's only so much that we can talk about in an hour. But I want to ask you the same question that we ask everybody who comes on The Daily Helping, and that is, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Well, it's actually one that we've only implied, but we haven't stated. So let me just state it. And it is, there's a source of creativity, a source of genius. It is the source of our awareness. If everyone just in this moment contemplates their response to the simple question, are you aware? Obviously, you immediately say, yeah, of course. And I say, how do you know? Where do you go to look to notice that you're aware? There's no place you go, you just are. And learning to access that source of awareness, which is always present, 
So when we talk about connecting with genius, it sounds like something you have to go through years of training and do all No, it's present right now. It's there for everybody. And then, yes, there are ways to make ourselves more attuned to it, like the 100 questions, like the Qigong exercises I teach, like everything that's in all the books. But the main point is it's not something that you don't have that you have to get. It's something you already have and you just need to wake up to. Beautiful. So, so well said and so important for where we are as a society today. Michael, tell us where people can find you online and get access to the book and the forthcoming course and all of these things. Thank you. The best place is michaelgelb.com. That's G-E-L-B, michaelgelb.com. And if people are curious about working with me as their executive leadership coach, then they can go to healingleader.com healingleader.com. That's my executive leadership coaching site. And if they want to know more about my approach to teaching Qigong and Tai Chi and the Alexander Technique to up-level your basic life energy, then they can go to lifeenergygenius.com, lifeenergygenius.com. But if you're just going to go to one place, go to michaelgelb.com. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything Michael Gelb in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Michael, this this time just flew by. Really appreciate you coming on The Daily Helping today and sharing your experience and wisdom with everybody listening. Thank you. And thanks to each and every one of you as well. If you tuned into this and you like what you heard, Go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review because this helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. Mm-hmm.